1: Welcome. It is Bowerly, News Radio 930 WBEN. I appreciate you being there on your drive home from work or running around doing errands. Hey, uh, just a reminder too people are driving right now because right before the holidays, people flipped their, you know what, and uh, I figured it out. People driving around the holidays are like squirrels in September, running around, gathering everything they possibly can, not paying any attention to anything but what's directly in front of them. We, as human beings, are squirrels, except we're driving cars. Just be be aware, a lot of squirrels out there. Where Tim Wanger might say, there have been a lot of squirrels in this show. Ooh, squirrel. Uh, anyway, uh, let's get back to the calls. Are we... Uh, is it a good thing that america has become more sensitive and punitive of people who offend uh, i will call them historically oppressed groups or is it ridiculous are you somebody who says you know what what good is having freedom of speech if everything you say is going to get you fired and i think one of the one of the words of uh, advice that I would give based on many hours of watching corporate training videos. When you are at work, you are there to work, and that is it. Do not get dragged down in other conversations. Do not uh, do not stare. Do not do anything. You are there to work and get out. Um, and that is that's the new workplace model for those of you who still actually have to go to uh, go to the office. Uh, which makes this uh, TV show uh, office affair kind of interesting to consider. Let's get back to the calls on WBEN. Westside, Dan, you are on. Hello.
3: Hi. Um, You know, one of the callers, I was waiting to see if anyone would, Um, he started to hit on something, and um, I think this is really overridingly important. Um, We have... people out there controlling the culture or trying to, and they're doing it for the sake of their own influence and power. Uh, and and so they comb the culture looking for some idiotic thing like, like Sullivan's locker room talk in public. You know, most of us do locker room talk, but we do it, you know, amongst ourselves. And, um, and, and the thing is, the manipulative people out there know this, so they know it's a it's a rich field from which to pick and and so uh, so there's constant examples constant um and it and people are terrified at work and all this kind of thing and this just, just means that the that these people are more powerful um by you know by by extension because of this so now we have um it, it, you know and they're ridiculous examples. But, I I mean, I did not see any of the West Side American Indians, and that's what they call themselves, by the way. It's academics, politicians, and media who call them Native Americans or want us all to. Um, And it's the same people, by the way, who were constantly adjusting what American blacks were to be called since the 60s. Um, Negroes, um, you know uh african americans afro Americans at different times you know it goes on and on and on and and so what what do we got now you know um squaw island none of the west side indians were were involved in that none they didn't- they didn't care about the name squaw island um and and that's what it's how these things roll out is white liberals basically. And you know, I knew a lady who told me that her an, her Indian friend called himself Native American. I said, "Does he have a degree?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "Uh huh." Um, and this is what we're this is what we're looking at right now.
1: Well, I, I, again, I I don't know the answer to that. I certainly um, the other day we talked to at least two um, Native Americans who identified themselves as such, calling the show, and they were pretty clear that uh, they're they did not want to be called Indians, that they preferred Native Americans. Personally, I think the term the Canadians use is the best terms, First Nations. That Native is Indians. the best term. Um, but and May I say
3: um, that big militant organization calls itself American Indian Movement, Seneca Nation of Indians. Yep. Um and, and, you know, it's and that's them, not me. I'm not t- t- telling anyone what to call them. Um, I'm just saying the media manages to ignore what they call themselves.
1: Um, well, I mean, another example that has been brought up, uh, not today, but in the past, is the NAACP. Mm-hmm. I mean, the National Association for the Advancement of colored people nobody's been colored, colored since 1958. Club. oh yeah you're right you're right the colored musicians club but you know this it also gets back to context I, I've been talking throughout the day of the importance of context with pretty much every single word um context and also ownership if you are a member of Of a particular group, you can call yourself whatever you feel like calling yourself on any given day because that's you. That is your heritage. But outsiders. Well, because it's, it's, it's almost like the unspoken rule of civilization. Outsiders, it's like a domestic argument. Um, when cops show up at domestic arguments, uh, you get this couple, and they're, they're about ready to kill each other. But the minute the cop shows up, uh, they turn on the cop, and they forget their fight, and they just go after the cop instead. It's a really weird thing. And this is not a reference to Native Americans specifically. We as human beings, we tend to be tribal creatures.
3: I'm using them as an example, but really the outsiders, the real outsiders in all this, are the culture controllers.
1: Well, do you think that uh, uh, things are going to change and people are going to lighten up with Twitter under uh, Elon Musk? Well,
3: we'll see. Um, per, but but personally, I'm for freedom of speech. I, I had a couple of bookstore girls who were telling me, "Girls, don't don't call, don't use the word girls." And I said, "My mother in her eighties called her friends the girls." Um, and and I said, I prefer my language to be expansive, not restrictive. And and so you know, the locker room talk may be dumb. But I still
1: I still think we should allow for it, you know. Right. Thank- maybe ignore it, but, you know. Okay, Th- thank you very much. The practicality, and we talked about this before, folks, whenever you see a situation you don't understand, look at the financial interest. If the Niagara Gazette had not taken the credentials away from Jerry Sullivan, the entire group would have been targeted for advertiser boycotts and everything else, and... Frankly, Jerry Sullivan was not important enough to keep around and to keep him credentialed. And I I mentioned this earlier, Rush Limbaugh. uh, Do you remember that one young lady uh, who was testifying on Capitol Hill that Rush went after? And there was a monumental backlash against Rush Limbaugh and very few people would survive a backlash like that. The only reason Rush survived that particular backlash was he was making a lot of money for a lot of people. And again, that's one of my rules of life and it's not even original. Whenever you see a situation you don't understand, look to the financial interest. When you see inconsistency, hypocrisy, look to the financial interest, all right? Um, If I said something stupid, it would be a lot easier to get rid of me than if Jimmy Fallon said something stupid, because you're talking about tens of millions of dollars uh, versus you know the three thirty-five an hour I make. I mean, Josh is the one taking in all the money around here. Josh Schmidt is uh, our producer of the program. Um, I have been meaning to mention this all day, but those people on social media who are going after the hosts of Trainwreck Sports for their saying, uh-huh, or, or for their nodding their heads, rather, nodding their heads. Um, you don't know anything about broadcasting. One of the things you're taught very early is when you are doing an interview, that microphone catches every single sound. So if you are saying, okay, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's all gonna be on the recording. And one of the first things you learn when you're interviewing somebody, nod your head. Don't say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's the way uh-huh. uh-huh. I like it. So it, it it was not they were not nodding in agreement. They were nodding because that's what you're trained to do. Because you, the viewer, you the listener, you wanna hear the guest, you wanna hear the caller. You don't want to hear the host constantly saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, are we in light of the whole Jerry Sullivan controversy, take a few more calls on this, are we better off because we're being more sensitive to not gratuitously offending people and holding people accountable who say stupid stuff like women are just want to be cheerleaders and inferring they kind of don't get sports? They're just all about cheerleading. Are we better off because of that sensitivity, or are we become a, Have we become a nation of seriously, seriously? You're going to get upset by that. Here is uh, Professor Mike in uh, DePew on WBen. Michael, hello.
2: Hey, good afternoon, Tom. Interesting topic. Uh, bit of a, a bit of a slippery slope, uh, Mr. Sullivan. Someone your, as such as yourself or my own uh, experience, 30 years as a professor, uh, I taught political studies and history. And if you are lecturing sometimes seven, eight or nine hours a day, you can almost guarantee with absolute certainty there is something that you have said, which perhaps you may have regret having stated. And then there were the students who uh, wanted to, uh, years ago, they used to tape your lectures. And then of course with the smartphones, They're going to record your lectures. So I I learned something a while ago, and and something that the college itself did that kind of pushed me in this direction. I taught 13 different courses, and they incorporated politics, religion, sexuality, culture, race. Now, there is just a plethora of issues that could be sensitive to people. And at one point, um, the, the college actually put on a memorandum um, requesting that certain words not be used in lectures. And when I was provided that by the secretary, I simply dispensed with it in the trash can. I did not want to see those words. My task, my primary task, was the relentless pursuit of truth and knowledge. That's my primary objective. Sensitivity would have been the secondary concern. So there are, there are people who speak for a living. If we are going to restrict or limit the vocabulary relative to sensitivity, then your education, for example, in my scenario, is, is lessened. Your, your, what you've gleaned and learned is cheapened. So if I studied it in my coursework, if I read it in my scholarly uh, readings and studies, if I gleaned it in foreign travel, If I understood it to be the truth, the best of my knowledge, then I conveyed that, and I couldn't worry about the sensitivity.
1: Um, Very interesting. You know, in in the old days, I'm sure you're aware of this, there was more concern over immorality than there was racial or ethnic sensitivity. For example, um, Shakespeare's works, many of Shakespeare's works contain, shall we say, degree of bawdiness in fact in one the c word is actually used in French I kid you not um, but uh, they actually went through Shakespeare and they took out any morally offensive uh, phraseology to make it a family Shakespeare
2: yeah and and I always under my understanding and the way that I would look at it from this perspective is that i was basically covered by the first amendment now understand at times we also had Students that were what were regarded as child prodigies. I had 15-year-old students in my lectures. Well, let's let's
1: leave me out of this here. Um, I I got a break, Mike, Professor Mike. You hold on through the news break. Um, I know you will because I know that you're really into this topic and you've got a lot to say and you've got a lot of experience because this is a guy who every word he spoke for many years was by, on tape by somebody. And frankly, it's the same thing with David Bellavia, Susan and Brian, Beamaz and Beamer. Me, everything we say is is recorded (laughs) in the old days. We could say, yeah, don't know what happened to that tape. And and sometimes we would legitimately lost the tapes. Um, But uh, now there's no getting around it. (laughs) We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. So anyway, uh, welcome. It's Bowerly. Hope you had a great day. Be careful driving out there. People are driving like squirrels behind the wheel. I, I don't know what caused that to cross my mind, but that was my experience driving in today. And uh, I have to take the big boat back to uh, Jeff Butcherelli at Gabe's tomorrow, the uh, Jeep Wagoneer. Very impressive automobile. Seriously. It's like one of the first times I've ever thought, Oh, I have to get my car back? Uh, But anyway, uh, it's Bowerly on WBEN. And, and, hey, I pay the same as you do at Gabe's. I don't talk about Jeff because uh, there's anything involved in it for me under the table. I don't operate that way. Never have. And uh, Jeff and I went to school together, and he's just a great guy. Also, no Frank Todaro, also in the collision business. Anyway, uh, so the Jerry Sullivan thing, I was listening to David Bellavia. And, uh, again, I, I, I try not to listen to a lot of other people because I don't want to rip off their stuff, but I, I was compelled to continue to listen. And um, uh, David was continuing to talk about the, uh, the Jerry Sullivan situation, all right? And my question to you is, are we better as a country because we are more sensitive about other people, and other cultures. For example, I know this might let some of you down, but I think I was wrong in supporting the Lancaster Redskins. Um, Redskins is a very offensive term to a lot of Native Americans, First Nations people, whatever you want to say, whatever nomenclature you prefer, it's offensive. And why be gratuitously offensive? If you don't have to be, why bother? Unless you're on stage doing a comedy thing, which is a totally different contextual environment, all right? Uh, I was also wrong about supporting the Patriot Act. I mean, uh, so I've been wrong about a few things in my life. uh, But the whole redskin thing, supporting the Redskins, um, I was wrong. And I think that 50 years from now, 20 years from now, people are going to look back at that kind of stuff, like we look back at segregation today, When you see a movie like uh, Mississippi Burning with uh, Gene Hackman um, and uh, uh, Willem Dafoe and many others, um, you are stunned to see colored drinking fountains because they don't teach that in school. And my parents... And grandparents were stunned when they drove from Buffalo, New York, to Fort Smith, Arkansas, when my dad was in basic training, because they'd never seen segregation in practice before. But it, it left a lasting impression on those people from the north. Like, wow, you read about it, but to actually see it? Anyway, let's get to, back to the calls. Are we better off as a country, or are we becoming wussified and and snowflakes and I wish I had the answer really, really quickly. Somebody on Facebook said, whatever happened to the whole idea of sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. See, I don't know that I agree with that, and I'll tell you why. When you go to your high school reunion, how many of the kids who were badly bullied show up at the high school reunion? Our experience? None of them. You know why? Because the bullying they went through in school decades ago affected the rest of their lives. So bullying and name-calling can have lasting impacts on people. Uh, And that's why it's important to stand up to it. Um, Look, we started to recognize this a few decades ago. Let's go back to uh, the calls on WBEN. Uh, Professor, Mike uh, was in mid-stroke, and I had to interrupt. Well, it's, uh, the
2: word you continuously use, and I think it's apropos, is, is context. And you have mentioned the Patriot Act, uh, and it, which is kind of a funny thing, because all my students were, were in the, the vast majority of my classes were expected to produce research papers. One of the habitual complaints, students would uh, they would pursue studies, for example, in religion. Martin Luther, the man who spearheaded the Protestant Reformation. Students were online doing research. they were terrified, uh, lamenting that they were being surveyed by the FBI. Martin Luther is considered a potential terrorist, and therefore they were being monitored doing their research on Martin Luther, which just terrified the students. The Patriot Act, it's anything but patriotic. And I love how they they put that uh, little label uh, as a precursor, suggesting that if you don't go along, you're not patriotic. The Patriot Act allows federal authorities to monitor the books you take out of a library, for example, it allows them to enter your house without a search warrant, searching your personal effects and your papers on the mere suspicion of an implication of terrorism without any due process. So, that to me is a little bit disturbing. So, that, that kind of gives you a, a proper context.
1: Well, as somebody who has seen the kind of technology that they now have to do that kind of surveillance, it is very frightening. And supporting the Patriot Act is one of the stupidest things I've ever done. And when I talk about the technology, you can look it up yourself. It's called stealth personnel technology and phantom bogey technology. It's real. I've seen it. I've broken it. But please continue.
2: Proper context, for example, and I'll give you a context to me that I think highlights dramatically what we're talking about here. I was supposed to teach in Beijing University. A, uh, one of my students was a liaison with the People's Republic of China. It was set up for me to teach in Beijing. Because of a severe health uh, issue that I, I suffered at the time, I wasn't able to go to Beijing. And this student, and the student was just distraught about my going there at some point. And she said, Professor, I fear for you. I fear for your life. She said, I understand your openness and the context in which you speak. I fear for you. I think that describes context. Would you want to live in that kind of a society? Because ultimately, that is where this leads. As a professor, my correct. primary objective is to educate, inspire, and enlightened in pursuit of the truth as a social scientist. I can't worry about sensitivity. That's secondary.
1: Uh, Okay, I kind of lost the trail there between living in a surveillance state like the People's Republic of China is and like any country can soon be because of AI and various technological um, developments like whoever thought the Harry Potter invisibility cloak would be a real thing. as far as uh, your sensitivity, that you, you lost me at that that fork in the road is where you lost me.
2: I well, understand, but sensitivity comes secondary and it's not that you, you cannot be sensitive, but your primary task is what you have to focus on. And there are times where you're, you're trans you know basically expressing these sensitive topics to the best of your knowledge. And it's not always politically correct. but as a scientist, you
1: have to pursue that. But there are ways. I mean, you're you're not a stupid man. There are ways where you can uh, certainly handle very controversial material and phrase it in such a way as it's not going to be offensive to anybody. Like the story I told about being a little boy in the town of uh, Tanawanda back in the 1960s when our black brothers and sisters for the most part were not on television and you did not see people who did not look like you uh, in the town of Tanawanda in the 1960s. And I told the story about the first time I saw you know, two of our black brothers in real life and what I said to my mom. And it wasn't done out of hatred or racism. It was done because I I didn't know any better. I was a kid, like three or four years old. So as an
2: educator and a, and, a, and a person who does take those into consideration, it can't be your primary objective. And you might be surprised to know that anything you say has a high probability of being sensitive to someone. If I'm covering the Middle Passage about, uh, for example, slaves making the transatlantic voyage, for some people, bringing up that very topic is insensitive. And yet, I have a responsibility to convey that information.
1: But how how would somebody believe that that is insensitive? Because what you're doing is you're adding to students' knowledge base about a disgraceful chapter in human history. And it has to be told. One of the lessons of the Holocaust, and by the way, day one of Hanukkah this coming weekend, or evening one of Hanukkah, but um, Never Forget became one of the um Iconographic uh, sayings, if you will, after the Second World War because um, the Jewish people in the world realized that there was a madman who wanted to exterminate them on the basis of their background and religion. So never again. So if you're going to teach about slavery, with presumably the idea being never again, you, you've got to educate people, just like people need to be educated about uh, Auschwitz, Birkenau, and uh, Treblinka, etc.
2: Yes, but I've also had students, for example, of an Arabic persuasion, when we were discussing particular issues relative to, for example, the Holocaust the Holocaust, or the Jewish state, they found some of these things offensive. and. Other people would see it as us basically portraying what transpired in history. To some people, they find it offensive. And I have to understand in a classroom scenario that that becomes secondary. I have have an obligation. And there will people that will try to suggest to you that to them this is offensive.
1: It's well, d- okay, c- did you, were you able, I've got about like 30 seconds or so, but I could re- I could talk to you the rest of the night, frankly, but um, did you find yourself in a situation when explaining the Arab-Israeli situation where you did present both sides, if you will, and hey, here is why the Israelis want and believe they deserve the land, here is why the Arab population uh, is not a real big fan of Israel.
2: In fact, I had an Arabic student who was being insistent about this particular topic, and I said, may I ask you a question? Have you ever been associated with Hezbollah or Hamas? Why do you ask this question of me? That was the response.
1: Hmm. Uh, Very, very interesting. Uh, Professor Mike, thank you very much. I, uh, I I appreciate the call. Um, that's a nice thing about badminton <laughs> when when you're in a badminton environment, um, all of that stuff melts away and it's Christians, Muslims, Hindus, Jews, you name it and they're playing badminton. And as I've said uh, before, one of the things that the non-muslim players do during Ramadan is is give up their early court times so the Muslims can play and then go home and eat because an observant Muslim not only can't eat but cannot drink during daylight hours. So the point being that despite all of the egregious confrontation and disagreement in the world, it's nice to see people getting together in the name of sport and putting things behind them and, and just being people it's really remarkable to see it's like being at the united nations uh, going to watch badminton can't wait to start playing which uh i'm i'm the o- i'm obj of uh, badminton like i'm not ready to work out yet thank you very much let's go to who's next chris in uh, springville chris uh, are are we a better country for being more sensitive or do we need some toughening up
0: I certainly think we are a bit of a better country, Tom, and thank you for having me on. I just think as I as I uh, dwell on this topic replay the uh, the, the of course the uh, clip from yesterday and to, to basically destroy somebody's livelihood of, of three jobs and professions. Um, I, I honestly think the uh, sponsor world overreacts so fastly of the threat of you know, I'm not going to buy your paper. I'm not going to go to Wegmans and buy your, you know, bananas that are on weekly sale ads. This shiny topic will be over Saturday at 7 when the ball's kicked off. <laughs> I think Jerry Sullivan has proven himself. Um, you know, I, I, I follow him a lot. He, he's certainly more to the left than, than most say. I, I think he genuinely uh, expresses female in sports, he covers them. He said a stupid thing, no question about it i 'm not defending that at all, I think more of a weak suspension and a, and a, and a you know a very uh, sincere apology and then to move on but to to fire him that rapidly of three prof- professions because the Twitter fear uh, is going to say we 're not going to go to dashes or mike bernie Nissan is a joke i 've never boycotted a, a a restaurant or a you know a, due to a sponsor. Uh, of something that it, we move along, we, 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 progress, we, we forget. Um, half these people probably didn't even know the career of Jerry Sullivan. So I'm not condoning his action. I just think atonement is more realistic. And if you follow his words, he basically said women are better than men anyways. It was not a, a sexual or a over the top, like, Hey, you know, missy leave. This is for men. No, he 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 was probably and I and I will say this probably some of his discussion was a few weeks ago when Josh Allen was down in the dumps and the white or the uh, the the female mafia sent all those cards. Um, I think it was more of a play on really. Dude, he's a professional athlete making a ton of money. I think he can move on from not getting a cookie and a card from a, a fan club. So I, it's silly. It's how he's. He's ran his career. He, he's always someone asking the right question. I frankly had no issue with his question about asking Josh Allen about a Super Bowl offense. It isn't a Super Bowl right, offense he, right Well, now.
1: here's here's I where I, you, I, need, yeah. I I need. But I love you as a phone caller. And I, I if you want to hang yeah. on uh, for a little bit, uh, you are sure. a great caller. You've got a great voice. You are a very linear speaker. And you are a great, great caller. Um, here, Here's where I think you are wrong. I respectfully tell okay. you that Jerry Sullivan didn't ask a question at the news conference. He made a statement. Wrong venue, okay? He made a statement. He didn't ask a question. That was a mistake. Number Good two. Point. Number or two. Yeah. Number two. Jerry Sullivan, because of his experience, um, he failed to recognize the most basic situation we have in America right now with the spirit of the times. And you don't go on and make a statement, basically, that women are emotional and want to be cheerleaders. And number three, after making that statement, Jerry Sullivan should have gone home, taken to Twitter, and immediately and profusely apologized, and he might have gotten away. But as far as I know, that apology was sometime in coming. I need to put you on hold, sir, because I'm— I'm a prisoner of the clock, and I have to tell you, too, that because a lot of folks need to know what the weather is going to be like, maybe for your shopping, maybe for the game, Uh, we're going to spend a few minutes at the beginning of the 5 o'clock hour with uh, meteorologist Andy Parker on News Radio 930 WBEN, but uh, hey, Chris from Springville, just a great caller. I'm not sure if he's called me before, but I hope he calls again because, uh, dang, he ought to be in the radio or something. Then again, maybe not. I don't need the competition. Josh Schmidt is at Master Control, and he's aiming for my head right now. So don't go anywhere on News Radio 930 WBEN. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.